Now, we are on today's uh, daf is Kaf Bet in Masach Psachim. We started the new parak yesterday uh, in Kaf Aleph. And just to quickly recap, because the next, this daf and also the one after it and is going to be dealing with uh, the same issue that we, we discussed yesterday, which is a basic question. The question is very simple to understand. The conceptual question is very simple to understand. When the Torah tells you, don't eat something, don't eat a certain thing, does it mean don't benefit from it? And therefore, since it means don't benefit, it's just giving you an example, don't eat. But it really means, it don't, it really means also to include benefit. And so therefore, unless the Torah then comes and, ex- and says that b- benefit is okay, the default assumption is that it means you can't benefit. If the Torah says don't eat, it means don't benefit, unless t- you're told otherwise. That is the position of Rabbi Abau. You have the position of Chizkiah, not Chizkiah HaMelech. We're talking about Chizkiah of the, of the Gemara, who says, Chizkiah says, no. If it says, don't eat, that just means don't eat. Unless there's some reason to think that also to include Hana'ah, that there's also a prohibition of benefit. But if it only says, don't eat, unless it says it in an unusual way, like in the case of Chametz, instead of saying, don't eat, Chametz says, Lo Ye'achel, in the Nif'al, right? Passive form. Or it might say, uh, some additional pasuk that indicates that Hana'a is not allowed. So, um, otherwise we assume it only means eating. That's, that's the machloket. So we brought a couple of examples where we challenged that and we said, oh, well, if that's true, what about this? What about that? Basically, the Gemara is going to continue with that line of challenging Chizkiah and Rabbi Abau to substantiate their positions. And that's what line, we're five lines after the time. Mativ Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha. What about the Gidan Nasheh? Gidan Nasheh, we just learned about a couple of weeks ago in the Parashat Shavua. Gidan Nasheh is the sciatic nerve. It is the part of the animal that is uh, not allowed to be eaten uh, because of the, the uh, wrestling match between Yaakov and the Malach. So then the, where his, his Gidan Nasheh was moved, it was dislocated. And then it says, Right, it says that the Bnei Yisrael are not allowed to eat Gidan Nasheh. Now, according to Rabbi Abahu, that should mean that you're not allowed to benefit from it because he says that whenever it says don't eat, it means don't benefit. According to Chizkiah, the assumption should be unless we're shown that you can't benefit from it, the assumption should be that you can't, okay? Now, but what is the halakha? Utnan, we learned in the Mishnah there that regarding this, that sholeach adam, a person can send, if he wants, yarech lenokhri, v'gidon ha'shev He could send a, the thigh of the animal to a, uh, to a non-Jew with the Gidan inside because it is obvious its place its location is obvious so what does that mean? in other words the, the concern is that a, per, a Jew will see that you gave this piece of meat to the non-Jew and then he'll say well since you gave it to the non-Jew I assume it was kosher because the, in Masachet Chulin it talks about how you're not supposed to give non-kosher as a gift also to a uh, meat right. to, uh, to a non-Jew right. right so if the Jews see no. It's a whole discussion, but let's. I don't want to get too far. Yeah, you're not supposed to unless you inform them and all that. So the so the assumption was that if he gave something, he would give something good enough for himself. Because otherwise, you're giving it as a gift, and it's, you're saying like, oh well, this is garbage, so I'm giving it to you. No, it's something that I would also eat, but I'm giving it to you. Otherwise, what kind of a gift is it? It's not such a gift. So the 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 the, the thing is, if he gives it, so another Jew will see that he gave this thing, and he'll say, "Oh, I'm going to go buy that from him because I know it came from uh, Shmulik down the road, and he's a Jewish guy. I know it must be kosher." But the thing is, it says you can you don't have to take the gid and the she out. Why? Because because the person could see 
that it wasn't taken out. In other words, the concern is not for the non-Jew eating the Gidan The concern is that another Jew will see it, he'll go and he'll buy this piece of meat, and he'll have the Gidan Nashe inside, and he'll eat the Gidan Nashe. We don't want that to happen. So therefore, what, is the, what does it say? It says that you can, you can leave the Gidan Nashe and that you don't have to worry. But the point is that you see from here that it's not Asur Bahana'ah. It's not because you're giving the Gidan Nashe to the non-Jew. Okay, you're allowed to give him the Gid and the Shen, and presumably he's going to eat it. The point is, you don't have to worry about another Jew buying that piece and eating it. But you, de- but you certainly don't have to worry about giving it to the Jew, to the non-Jew. That shows you how is allowed. He, it's kosher. For him, he doesn't have a problem. There's no problem with the non-Jew eating Gid and the Right. So, that, so therefore he's, uh, so he's giving him Gid and the So what's the question is, why is it allowed? So when Nevela was permitted, when Nevela was permitted for benefit, and we saw in the previous daf that we have a special we have special psukim or a special pasuk that tells us Nevela is allowed for benefit. So when it said it was allowed, it meant the entire animal. And that means also Khelev. And that means also the Gid and the Shed. The whole package is permitted to be benefited from. And since it's permitted to be benefited from for, from an animal that's Nevela, we extend that also to a kosher one. So Rashi says, Lefichach kol chele v'chol gid mutarin ba'ana'ah she'en b'chlal la'ger she'mishamachat Since it says you can give a Nevela to the non-Jew, it says explicitly in the Torah you can give the Nevela to the non-Jew and that includes the whole thing. That includes whatever's in it, whatever Chelev is in it, whatever Gida Nasheh is in it. All of that is included. So you see that Gida Nasheh is not subject to the rule of Isura Na'ah. It's not subject to the rule that you're not allowed to benefit from it. But, and, there, and therefore we extend that even to a case where it's kosher because it goes by the species. It doesn't go by the, uh, doesn't go by the individual animal. So since when it's a Nevela, you're allowed to give the whole thing to a non-Jew, so also when it's Kasher, you're allowed to. That's what Rabbi Abahu says. Maybe, but since Rabbi Abahu doesn't say that, he doesn't say that. Now, that's very good according to the position. And this is something that we saw in Masachet Cholin. There's a machloket if Gid is considered a food or not. Right? Yesh Begidin Benotenta means do they have a flavor? Or doesn't have a flavor? Meaning... Is it that the Torah basically said this Gidan is considered a food? Or is it that, no, the Torah is saying it's not really a food, but because it has a, a symbolic meaning, you're not allowed to eat it, even though it's not really a food. Okay, you can't cook it with your food and, and eat it, even though normally you wouldn't eat it anyway. But the Torah comes along and says that you're not allowed to eat it. Okay, so the question is, Yesh Begidin Benotentam. Now, why is that relevant? Because according to the view that says, Yesh Begidin Benotentam, so that means that the Gida Nashe is considered part of the meat. And therefore, if the Torah comes along and tells you that you can give a Nevelah to a non-Jew, and that includes all the parts of the Nevelah. It's going to include the, the Gid Nashe as well, because the Gid Nashe is a component of the meat. And therefore, you could say that just like the Gid Nashe is mutar, when the animal dies of its own self and without shechita, it's also going to be permitted in Hana when you, when you slaughter it. However, but according to the view, which is that meaning, as the, uh, that, uh, like it says in Masachet Cholin, the opinion that in Begidim Benotentam, but that it's etzu, it's really a piece of wood, but the Torah said you're not allowed to eat it, okay? According to that, you can't really say that, well, the Torah said that Nevelai could give to the non-Jew, and therefore that includes all the parts of the meat. That's true, but it doesn't include the Gidin Hashem, because if you say in Begidim Benotentam, that the Gidin are not really considered meat, so then it wouldn't really be getting any special permission to be given to the non-Jew. And Rashi says the isur notentam basar in pasul basar says amalav basar it behov velav nevelamiku. 
Really, it's just considered to be like a uh, piece of wood or like an atzamot, like bones, bones right? So, right, that's true, but the, even that is nevelah, bones of nevelah are not really considered nevelah because they're not considered basal. So therefore, it would not really be, uh, we can't really make a, a generalization because it's not what's permitted to give to the non-Jew is basal of nevelah. And this is not basal. So the reason you're allowed to, so that giving it to him, you can't say that the nevelah status extends also to the Gid Anashe then, because the Gid Anashe is not really part of the meat. Right? So what are you going to say then? So it says, ah, well, man in Rabbi Shimon It's Rabbi Shimon who's the one who says that the Gid Anashe is not really a food. Rabbi Shimon Poter. Rabbi Yehuda says that if you eat the Gid Anashe of a pig, Rabbi Yehuda says you have two violations. Number one, you ate Gid Anashe. Number two, you ate Chazir. Okay, he's saying it's part of the meat. Right, Rabbi Yudah is saying it's part of the meat. The, 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 the Gid and Asheh of the pig is part of the meat of the pig. That's what he's, he's saying. Since it's considered meat, so it's considered like eating Basar Chazir. He's saying, well, not, yeah. I mean, he's saying it includes everything. According to Rabbi Yehuda, that includes everything because it's just considered meat. So the Gidan Asher would apply to every, every case. But Rabbi Shimon says, Poter. Rabbi Shimon says, no. Because why? Because Gidan Asher is not really considered meat. And therefore, if you eat Gidan Asher of Chazir, you're not eating Gidan Asher. And you're not eating meat of Chazir. Because it's, it, there's no Isur of Gidan Asher on non-kosher animals, according to Rabbi Shimon. And it's not. And Rashi says, the, he says, Le Gamre. Completely. So he says, he says, because it doesn't have tambasar, it's not considered the flesh of the chazir. The only time, according to Rabbi Shimon, where there's a prohibition of gid and asheh is where the meat is actually kosher meat, not in a non-kosher. Okay, so therefore what? What is Rabbi? So, so the point is that we wanted to say that what was the reasoning behind the Gid and Asheh being Mutar Bahana'ah? It's because, well, since the Torah comes along and says that the meat of Nevela is permitted to be given to a non-Jew, and meat includes everything, so that's including Gid and Asheh also. So obviously the Gid and Asheh is not prohibited. That makes sense according to Rabbi Yehuda, because Rabbi Yehuda says that the Gid and Asheh is also meat. It's considered part of the meat of the animal. So if the Nevela is allowed to be given, that includes the Gid and Asheh, and we're saying the Gid and Asheh is permitted Bahana'ah. But according to Rabbi Shimon, who says that actually the Gidan Asheh is not meat. The Gidan Asheh is Gzerat HaKatuv, a separate thing. It's not meat at all. Therefore, if it's in a pig, it's not even considered the meat of a pig. So just because the Torah tells you that you're allowed to give the Nevelah, it could just mean the meat of the Nevelah. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're allowed to give the Gidan Asheh. So what will he say about the Gidan Asheh then? So Achinami, you're right. Tasar Bahana'a. He's going to say it's forbidden in Bahana'a. Rabbi Shimon also, we actually see a very good proof that this is the whole logic behind it. In other words, according to Rabbi Yehuda, since Gidan Asheh is considered meat, and the Torah says you can give all the meat of the Nifila to a non-Jew, that, is, that includes also Gidan Asheh then, according to Rabbi Yehuda, and that makes perfect sense. So therefore, it's going to be permitted by Na'a also. However, according to Rabbi Shimon, that Gidan Asheh is not really meat. It's a special Gzerata Katuv that you can't eat the Gidan Asheh, but it's not really meat. So that means that when you eat it, it's not even really considered Achila. It's not really even, con- like, you can't say when you gave to the non-Jew the animal, with the, you're giving him the Gid and the Sheh, because the Gid and the Sheh is not something that is edible. 
It's not included in the permission of the Gida, the, to give him the Gida Nasheh. It's just not included in Besar Nivela at all. It's not considered meat at all. Okay, the Gida Nasheh itself, you're not really allowed to benefit from, says Rabbi Shimon. Because when the Torah says, now Tosafot brings this out, he says, so, uh, but basically, the, once you say that Gida Nasheh is not really a food, so then when the Torah tells you you're not allowed to eat it, it means you're not allowed to benefit from it in any way. That's what Rabbi Shimon is saying. He's saying like, you wouldn't really make a distinction between any kind of benefit when it comes to Gida Nasheh, because it's not like it's a piece of food. Right? So it's, it's not really an edible item. So you wouldn't make a distinction between the, uh, uh, b- between any other kind of benefit and the eating benefit. So that's, that's what Rabbi Shimon says. So Rabbi Shimon is saying, Gidda Nashe Asur Rabbi Yehuda says, Gidda Nashe is Mutar because it's included in meat. Okay? How about the fat around it? That's, that would be the same. Whatever it is, it would be the same. But that is edible. But that that's only edible. a Sur Midra Banan. So it's a different story. It's a Midra, the three Sur Midra Banan. Rabbenu, im kacha az, if I take the skin of a pig or the tzipornam shlo and I ground them, I can eat it? Yeah, but I don't think you're going to enjoy it very much. No, but mechina alachan. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not. Right, atzamot and, uh, and or and all that is not, uh, not meat. But that's, that, that, I don't think you would as really as enjoy as that. As so they put the gil, Yeah, basically. Basically, 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 yeah. Essentially, yeah. Now, um, now, yeah, according to, according to Rabbi Shimon. Now, what about blood? So again, we're going to have to say that blood is also, according to Rabbi Abahu. Benefit. Right, so, so what are we going to say up to now? What are we saying about Gidda Nasheh? Okay, Rabbi Abahu will say that, okay, since, since there's a special Gzerat Katu, really, Gidda Nasheh would be prohibited in benefit. But the Torah is coming along and telling you that since Nevelah is permitted, so also... Um, also, the Gida Nasheh is going to be permitted in benefit. And Chizkiah will just say, well, since the Torah never said that Gida Nasheh was Asur Bahana'ah, it's not Asur Bahana'ah. Right? That, that, and they both come to the same conclusion. Gida Nasheh is Mutar Bahana'ah, you're allowed to benefit from. Right? Now, what about blood? So again, since it says don't eat blood, according to Rabbi Abahu, that implies automatically don't benefit from blood. According to Chizkiah, it doesn't imply that. Okay, so the Gemara, so the Gemara is really asking this on Rabbi Abau because it says Utnan Elo Velo Mit Arvin Bama Viotin Lenachal Kidvor Vimkarin Legananin Lizabel Umoalinbo. So because it says that basically the blood that was poured on the outer uh, mizbeach, it's two different places that they would pour the blood on the outer mizbeach. It would go into these like drainage pipe, and it and and it would go out. To Nachal Kidron, and over there they would take it and they would sell it. They would have to pay for fertilizer. it, right? Right, as fertilizer. Why? Because the um, they still had to pay for it because it still had kedusha. So they would pay the Bet Hamikdash some something to remove the kedusha from it, and they would be able to take it, right? But the point is, they're allowed to benefit from blood. Is the main point? The fact that it's blood doesn't preclude them benefiting from it. So that the thing is, according to Rabbi, Rabbi according to Chizkiah, that's fine because it only says that don't eat the blood. It never said don't benefit from it. That's exactly a proof for Chizkiah. See, I told you, there's no problem of benefiting from it. It only says don't eat it. Uh, Rabbi Abahu says no. If it says don't eat it, it means don't benefit from it. So how does he explain this? So the answer is he'll tell you. There must be a special pasuk to tell you. Which is, Since blood is compared to water. It says spill the blood out on the ground like water. So what does that mean? Just like water you're allowed to use, blood you're allowed to use. So that means that blood is not asur 
So then the Gemara says, What about the water that's poured for Nisuch HaMayim on Sukkot? There's such a thing as, blo- as water that is Asur Bahana'a. When it says like water, it means like most water, your regular water. Right? Why are you picking out an example of water that's a rare case of Nisuch HaMayim? Why is it so picky? Right, yeah, so it says, Does it say most water? Does it say most? Just says water. So maybe you saw, you know there is some water that's asur bahana. Ela amar avashi kamayim anishbachi velo kamayim anisachi. That's why it says alar tishbachenu kamayim. It means water that you pour out, not water that you're using for a ritual. Water that you pour out is mutar bahana. Blood is mutar bahana. That's it. Now velo kamayim anisachin. Vehem kamayim anishbachin lefnei avodah zarah. What about the water that's poured out in front of idols? Okay. <laughs> so, Hatam Nami Nisuch That's also called Nisuch. Even though it's done for an idol, it's still called Nisuch. Right? Well, yeah, and also here, Yeshu Yen Nisicham. It says in Hazinu. Right? It talks about the water of the, the wine of the libations of the uh, of idols. So even though we look at it as if you're pouring if you're pouring wine in front of an idol, you're basically wasting it because you're pouring it to nothing. Right? So we'll say, oh, that's that's Shvicha. He's just pouring it out. No, but to them it's nesicha, so it's, 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 that's different. So the um, so uh, so that's why. So that connection between blood and water um, is why Rabbi Abba will tell you that blood is not asur bahana'a. Now ule chizkia lemayil chetat kashdam lemayim. So since chizkia doesn't need permission because chizkia already said that. Blood is not going to be a sorbahana because it does never says it's a sorbahana. It only says that it's uh, it, it only says that, that not to eat it. So why do you need to compare blood to water? This is something we learned before. It's like Rabbi Chia Baraba said because Rabbi Chia Baraba said then Rabbi Yochanan. How do you know that the blood of korbanot does not qual- make things susceptible to tumah? It is not machshir. How do you know that? Because it said sheneemar. It says, don't eat blood. Spill it out on the ground like water. Only blood that spills out on the ground like water. Right? That doesn't, that is, is the type that is going to make things uh, susceptible to Tum'ah. However, but the type of blood that goes on the Mizbeach, blood that is of the Korbanot, that if it spills on some, if it, Gets splattered onto something, it will not make it susceptible to tumah. So it's so the reason why blood and water are compared to each other, according to this, is for a different halacha to teach you something about of the blood of kodashim in in the realm of tumah v'tara. Nothing about kashrut, okay, or nothing about the permissibility of benefiting from blood. So 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 I'm sorry, chizkia doesn't need any proof that blood will be permitted in, in benefit because he says the assumption is that something is permitted in benefit unless the Torah says otherwise. Okay, what about Ever Menachai? What about Ever Menachai? It says don't eat the soul with the flesh, meaning you should not eat the uh, the uh, the Ever Menachai. Don't eat the, the, um, the, live, the limb of the live animal. Right, Vetanya, Rabbi Natan Omer, Minayin Shelo Yoshi, Adam Kozi Ayin Lenazir, Vever Menachai Levnei Noach. Very famous, uh, very very famous 
Brayta, Rabbi Natan says, how do you know that you're not allowed to hand a cup of wine to a Nazir? The Nazir comes in and you know he's having a very hard time keeping his vow and you hand him a cup of wine. Or it says, uh, or a, a non-Jew says, please hand me that Ever Menachai. I really would like to have some Ever Menachai. Right? So it says, you're not allowed to. Talmud Lamar. Right. Oh, 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 yeah. So if a person gives lobster to Bnei Noach, he's over. Well, the thing is, the Gemara says it's only with betray avred and right? So only if the, he couldn't accept, access it otherwise. Only if they're on two different. In other words, if the only way the guy can access uh-huh. it is through you, so then it's it's called lifnei iver. Uh-huh. If the person uh, you know will just go somewhere else and get it, so it's not really lifnei iver because he'll just go somewhere else and get it. But uh, you know, the, the, so you can work in a non kosher restaurant serving goyim. I don't want to generalize from this to this broad, uh, from two lines of Gemara to broad questions about what your employment opportunities might be. But um, <laughs> let's let's just stick with what the Gemara is talking about, okay? So if the person will hand, so the point is, ever menachai, it says you can't give it over lo tzedemachshol. But haleklavim sharei, the implication is, if you want to give lobster or whatever it is, lobster is a question because it's not ever menachai because you don't remove the limb, you just cook it alive. I mean, it's pretty horrible, but it's a. Uh, it's a, it's an, I'm not exactly sure. But the point is, if you give to a dog, it never said you weren't allowed to do that. So that shows you you're not allowed to give it to the non-Jew because he's going to eat it and he's not allowed to eat it. But you're allowed to give it to the klavim, to the dogs, which means that it's not asur bahana'a because you could utilize it. So what does that tell you? So it tells you that it's not asur bahana'a. Now, according to Rabbi Abba, according to, Rabbi Chis, according to Chizkiah, very good, because Chizkiah says, unless the Torah tells you this is pro- prohibited in benefit, we always assume that it's permitted to be benefited from. It only, it's only telling you not to eat it. But according to Rabbi Abahu, that our assumption is that when it says don't eat something, it means don't benefit from it unless proven otherwise. So what's he going to do with the Ever Menachai? So Shana Ever Menachai did kash dam. Ever Menachai is connected to blood. It's very similar to blood. It says that the bl- don't eat the blood because the blood is the soul. It's a nefesh, right? And what does that mean? It's connecting it to which means the ever menachai is called eating the nefesh ima basar, eating the soul with the meat, meaning eating it while it's still coming from a living animal. And dam is also called the soul of the animal because it's the life of the animal. So therefore, dam and ever menachai, since we already saw that dam is permitted in benefit, ever menachai also. Okay, yeah. So the thing is, so Rabbi Abau has to have an excuse for each one of these things. Why it's mutar So now come to Chizkiah. Chizkiah, you said that you don't need a pasuk to tell you that ever menachai is permitted to be eaten because I mean not permitted to be benefited from because uh, all things that it says don't eat it just means don't eat it it doesn't mean you don't you can't benefit so therefore uh, why do you need to connect ever menachai to blood Amalach will tell you it's the other way around it's blood that's being connected to ever menachai ma ever menachai asur avdam menachai asur it's to tell you that just like ever menachai is asur blood from a living animal is also asur you can't take the blood let's say you want to drink the you know if somebody wants to take the blood out of an animal while it's alive and utilize it and, and drink it, that's also considered ever menachai. Meaning, for a Jew anyway, you can't drink blood, but let's say a non-Jew. It would also be considered ever menachai, the blood menachai. And what is it talking about? That's, what is the dam menachai? That's talking about specifically the blood that... Um, 
that uh, the blood that the nefesh leaves from. In other words, there are different kinds of blood. So the kind of blood that's actually prohibited, uh, f- prohibited as karet, is the blood that comes out that you know that is considered the life blood of the animal. That's what's isur karet, right? So we went, right, or, or however it is that whatever you you take out that is the considered the life of the animal's leaving. There's no turning back. That's considered to be the uh, uh, the, the blood that is prohibited. So we actually learn a halacha. From uh, you know, from the other way around. So that's so. Um, he says, um, right. So blood is prohibited only. Um, only blood is prohibited. You know, with karet only when it is the blood of the nefesh. Just like we learn from Ever Menachai, the same thing that dam Menachai is asur even even for us. Meaning not just for a non-Jew. We're talking about even for us the type of blood that is prohibited. At the highest stringency is the type of blood that is shanefish yotzetpo. That's the life blood. What about? Huh? What is it? What is it? Oh, the steak. Like uh, I mean, as long as it's, it has to remove. No, they have to salt it. They have to salt it first to extract the blood. Otherwise, it won't work. Yeah, so, but that's true with any meat. So, yeah. so the Isra of Eber is cutting it off as the Isra or eating it? Eating it. Well, that's, you're not supposed to do that, but you're not allowed to eat it. You're not allowed to eat it. I mean, that's maybe the reason why you're not supposed to do it, but uh, but it's the eating of it is the prohibition. So even if, let's say, you have like certain, especially in Asian cuisine, like where they kill, they dismember living uh, things and then they eat them. So yeah, so then I, that's I, a problem. I saw, I, I saw yeah. in, uh, in, in Africa that they did it. Yeah, in Asia too. French also. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I think it's a, uh, I think fresh. it's like a uh, more fresh, yeah, more pure. Yeah. I don't know, but um, yeah. So what do you learn from here? You learn from so Rashi says here that so meaning to say that what kind of just what we learn something about blood from Ever Menachai. We don't learn something from about Ever Menachai from blood. Now, according to Rabbi Abahu, from blood we learn just like blood is permitted in benefit, Ever Menachai is permitted in benefit. Rechizkiah doesn't need that because he already assumes that blood and Ever Menachai are permitted to be benefited from. So he says, actually, Ever Menachai teaches you about blood. That Ever Menachai, just like it is Minachai, it's from a living thing, so too the blood that's prohibited in the Torah is the blood of the life of the animal, the blood that the life leaves the animal. That's the type of blood that's Isur Karet to eat it. But it has nothing to do with Hana'ah. Now, Shoran Niskal, what about that Shoran Niskal? Shoran Niskal is when... Mutar Bahana, period. Yeah. Okay. Now, yes. So now, Shoran Niskal, the question is... In other words, the question here is not whether these things are permitted Bahana. The question is, how do you learn it? According to Rabbi Abahu, you need a special exemption each time. Because he says, the assumption is, Asur Bahana, prove me wrong. Okay, Chizkiah is saying, no, the assumption was, it's permitted in Bahana unless you show me the other way. Right. Okay. So then, what? So then, once Rabbi Abau brings his reason to permit Tana'a, he says, "Oh, Ever Menachai is compared to Dam. 
So therefore, it's permitted bahana'a. So then the question is, to, now we put the question to Chizkiah. Okay, why do you say that Ever Menachai is compared to Dam? You don't need to show that Ever Menachai is permitted in benefit because you already assumed that. So what's the reason? Oh, he says, well, it's not to teach you that. It's to teach you that blood only of a certain type is prohibited with karet. That's all. Now, what about Shohan Iskal? Shohan Iskal is an ox that kills somebody, right? And we have to, we have to stone it, okay? And then the Rahmanah, Marlo Yachelet Bissaro, says you can't eat its flesh. The flesh of the, this animal cannot be eaten. Vitania, we learn, So the, the Brita asks, from the fact that it says you have to stone the animal, obviously you can't eat it. You didn't have Shechita. How are you going to eat it? It's nevela. Why does it say you can't eat it? It's to tell you that even if somebody went and said, you know what? This, this, this ox is going to die. Why should it go to waste? Let's just quickly slaughter it before the din comes, you know. Slaughter it and then we'll be able to eat it. It says even if you slaughtered it before the skila, before they stone it, Still, you can't benefit. You can't eat it. But and, but right. No right, but you, but meaning since it was nigmar dinolis skila, so you can't eat it even if they do shchita on it. They tried to pick, you know, be quick, and they yeah, but that's after right. the din was nigmar. After nigmar din, right? Wow. The lawyer rested yeah, his case. You know, before, he had Johnny Cochran. Before, what? If it's before before nigmar dinol, uh, well, yeah, there they can get out of it. If there wasn't nigmar dinol, so then it was not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be. Uh, the gemara talks about it in Masechet Tanadri. But anyway, en liyala b'achila, or maybe in Masechet Bavakam also. En liyala b'achila, right? So uh, that, this is only with eating. Ba'na'aminayin. What about benefiting from the sh- the shor and iskal? Right. So it says Talmud Lamar u'balashon naki. It says balashon naki. Now it's it says that the it talks about how the, the owner of the, uh, of the ox has to pay a penalty called the kofir. Right. We learned about it a little bit in Masachet Makot. He has to pay, it talks about also a lot in Bava Kama about that. Right? He has to pay um, a sort of restitution since he was responsible. It's kind of like a, uh, uh, almost like being civilly uh, responsible for, in our court system, you know, you can be criminally responsible, in which case you would go to jail, or you could be like in a civil court, be responsible, and then you pay money. Right, so you pay damages. So the if the animal kills, so then the owner pays what's called kofir. He pays a, a, a penalty. So it says, um, but he, and obviously he can't have. Al-herig it says, huh? Al herig. That's a different. If if the animal hurts somebody, so then he has to pay the damages. But we're talking about to be killed. killed, right? If the animal just hurts somebody, you don't have to kill the animal. Right, just pay damages. If the animal killed somebody, so then there's a like a moral responsibility of the owner, even though it's not a halachic responsibility. So we don't kill the owner, but we. Uh, it says vegam be'alav yumat that the owner also should die for the animal killing the person. But then it says im kofir yushat alav. But if they give him the opportunity to pay, so meaning morally he's like really he should be considered like he committed this crime because he allowed his animal it's talking only about an ox that had a reputation already for being violent and he let it go so so therefore he's responsible morally but he's allowed to pay now it says that the owner of the shore is naki is clean now what does it mean balashur uh, naki that is clean so it says my mashma shimon ben zoma omer kadam naki min chasav it's like when you say a guy went out, clean, out. For, right, cl- be cleaned out. I was cleaned out, meaning he lost his money, right? He doesn't get any 
benefit, right? In other words, what does it mean? Ubalashon naki means sakol isakel ashov v'lo yechelit b'saro ubalashon naki. That's a pasuk, right? So the the ox is stoned and its flesh is not eaten, and balashon naki, the owner is naki, doesn't just mean he's innocent, meaning he's yeah, forgiven. He's it means naki min chasav, he loses out on any. There's no benefit from it. Okay, so what do you see from that? So the only reason why we're saying that the owner of the ox is not allowed to benefit from it is because it says ubalashon naki. Meaning we wouldn't. So that implies that if we just had the word lo yachel, right? Now this is difficult both for Rabbi Abahu and for Rabbi uh, and for Chizkiah. Why? Because Rabbi Abahu says that you don't need a pasuk to tell you something is prohibited in benefit. The assumption is it's prohibited in benefit if you're not allowed to eat it. And for Chizkiah, here it doesn't say lo yochalet b'saro. It says lo yeachelet b'saro. And according to Chizkiah, that's a shin, that difference should mean that you shouldn't be able to benefit from it. So why do you need naki? So it says, Really, both according to Rabbi Abahu and according to Chizkiah, the word would imply you can't benefit. Why? Because for Rabbi Abahu, anytime it says don't eat, it means don't benefit. And for Chizkiah, in the nif'al form is Including benefit, not the benefit, right? So ubalashon naki lahanaat orohu data. But why does it say balashon naki? It means he can't even get the skin of the animal. The you might say, okay, the hide, right? Yeah, maybe you'll say I can't get the meat, but at least the skin. Nope. If it's and you need it, because it says lo yachelat b'saro. We know how the Gemara loves to make, you know, diukim and and say, well, because it says lo yachelat b'saro, it only means the flesh. I can take the skin. He's saying no. That's why b'saro in orolo. You would think that the only prohibition is on the flesh. So kamashmalan coming to tell you that you can't even benefit from the hide. Okay, but they throw, they bury it actually. <coughs> they bury everything. No, yeah. Nobody can take it. Nobody can take it. Nobody I mean, they probably could if they wanted to, but you're not allowed to. It's min anikbarim. You have to bury it. Yeah, you bury it. You bury it. It's min anikbarim. It's it. No, the kovrim at kovrim at ashor. Yeah. But Rabbi, there are no dots in the Torah. Lo yachel, we are reading it based on tradition. Right. You should read also your lo yachel. How is also? Yes, Yeah, but also, but also, it doesn't make sense. The pasuk lo yochal it. So who? Who is the yochal? It needs a. It needs a subject. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be yachel because there's no person. Say that they're talking about the owner. Who else? But it's but that's not the subject of the sentence. Yeah. So lo yachel makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, tanaidim. So the question is, ulanach tanaidim. There are some people who use the words for other things. For example, um, in, in Masechet Bavakama, uh, there are some people who say that no, it's to teach you that if the animal was not mu'ad, if the animal was not um, established as a goring nagach, uh, it was like, uh, it's an aggressive animal, but it's a regular animal that did it the first time. So there's, so the discussion comes up, should, should the owner, we know that normally if, a, if an ox damages for the first time, so the owners only have to pay chatzinezek, only half. And on, uh, only if it has a reputation that's established, right. then he plays. Then he pays when it's a muad, so it becomes an established uh, aggressive animal, destructive uh, animal. So then he has to pay full. So I said, what about kofir? Should he pay half kofir if the short 
Adam the first time. He never hurt anybody before and he kills somebody. Should he have to pay Chatsi Kofir? So it says, Ubala Shon Naki. It shows you that no, he doesn't have to pay anything in that case. Like and speeding tickets. Right, and yeah. And some people say, Vladot, uh, that also if the, if the Shor uh, attacks a woman who is pregnant, do you, does the. Uh, does the owner have to also pay for the loss of the pregnancy? And it says, no, that's not included in the calculation. So, meaning that extra pasuk is used for other drashot, for other halachot in Bavakama. What about them? So, how do they know that you're not allowed to uh, take the skin or the hide of the shorah niskal? So, it says, they'll learn it. Because it says, the et, right? They like to interpret the et, right? Meaning that which is secondary to the flesh, which is the skin. Right now, the Gemara says, And what about those who say, what about Rabbi Abau and Chizkiah were saying that no, the word tells you that you can't take the skin. What about them? They'll say, They don't buy the idea of interpreting the et. Why? Because there's a very famous bright also here. Uh, that uh, it, it was every et every time it says et they interpreted it once it came to it says you should fear Hashem he separated he said oh I can't compare anything to Hashem so forget it I guess I was wrong so they said well now you're, you're saying your methodology was wrong this whole time because you were saying every, every et means something. But then et, Hashem, I said, oh, obviously I was wrong, it doesn't mean anything. Said, just like I received reward for trying to interpret every et, I also interpret, I get reward for saying I was wrong, right? Intellectual honesty. I got the benefit. Ad Sheba Rabbi Akiva. This is very famous. Rabbi Akiva came with the Rashi. Hashem, Elohech HaTirah, Lirabot Tamidei Chachamim. It comes to teach you that Tamidei Chachamim, yeah. Are included just like you know kabed et avichaveti mechatz the rabotet achagadol you know they everything they learn something uh, they learn something out so I, I saw an interesting perush it said why did it take Shimona Amsoni all the way to et Hashem Elohechatira what about vayiruham et Hashem vayaminu b'Hashem u'v'Moshe Avdo what about vayiruham et Hashem we already had in Bishalach when they came to Kriyat Yamsuf we already had et Hashem fearing Hashem. They feared Hashem. It says they were afraid. They feared Hashem at, at Yam Suf. So why why did he why did he take him all the way to Et Hashem Eloecha much later, right? So so the, so I saw a nice explanation. The Marsha says that the difference is because in the Et Ha'am Et Hashem, Hashem has two names, Hashem and Elohim. So it means that they feared Hashem both Hashem Yudke Vavke and also Hashem Midat Adin. Both. But here it says, Et Hashem Elohecha Tira. So it's both names of Hashem. So you can't say that the Et is coming to include one of the names of Hashem because it's both of them. So it must be adding something else. And how could it add something else? So that's, therefore he said, I must have made a mistake. But along comes Rabbi Akiva and says, No, you didn't make a mistake. Because it comes to include Tamidei Chachamim, meaning the people who hopefully, you know, exemplify the ways of Hashem, the Tamidei Chachamim, that hopefully exemplify the ways of Hashem in their, in their conduct, they are like... Uh, reflections of the Shekhinah, like it always talks about Tamil Chachamim, similar to the Shekhinah and so on. So that's why it's saying, Et Hashem Eloecha Tira, and that will be the explanation according to uh, Rabbi Akiva. Sounds so like Rabbi Akiva came to this so, conclusion after he lost 24,000 students. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Could be. Right, so okay, I think we'll continue from here tomorrow. We can continue from here tomorrow.